Welcome to the war from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. I want to thank everyone for listening and wish those of you who are hearing this in its first posted a happy Easter. Today we're going to take a listen to an episode of Everything for the Boys. Everything for the Boys was a 1944 and 45 series that aired over NBC and had uh, two versions. The first version that aired for about the first six months was hosted by the great Ronald Coleman and would feature a play written by Arch Obler, either an adaptation of an existing material which was the usual thing with classics such as The Petrified Forest and uh, A Man to Remember or The Lost Horizon. But today we get an original Archibald Buller play written for Easter in the midst of war. Everything for the boys also in addition to uh, the drama and other performances um, uh, interviewed servicemen and answered a few of their requests. So here now, from April 4th of 1944, is Everything for the Boys, This Living Book, starring Bob Bailey, who would best become known as uh, Johnny Dollar in the mid and late 50s. Let's take a listen. From Hollywood, California, and an allied base in Fairbanks, Alaska, Autolite brings you Everything for the Boys, the command theater of the air starring Mr. Ronald Coleman. Because of the vital significance of tonight's play, this living book, based upon the Bible, the Electric Autolite Company has foregone its usual commercial messages. of the people said this, how many ages and generations have brooded and wept and agonized over this book, what untellable joys and ecstasies, what support to martyrs at the stake, to what myriads has it been the shore and rock of safety, the refuge from driving tempest and wreck, of its thousands there is not a verse, not a word, but is thick studded with human emotion. In this time of the testing of human values, the book is a part of the undercurrent of life, the stream of cultural treasure linking the past with the life stream of each man of decency. Turn your thoughts, you who listen, away from yourself for these moments, and listen to the book as it lives. God created the heaven and earth, and the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was on the face of the deep, 
And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Didn't I tell you? Joe, ain't you glad? I, I don't know. What's the matter with you? Yes. If I say it to you, I won't say it to her, and it's better that way. I didn't want this kid, Fred. I didn't want it because every time I, I felt my empty sleeve and then read the headlines, I said to myself, no kid, no kid. Let the world go to the devil where it belongs. 1920, war, only over two years, and already they've forgotten all the fine words that sent me over there. Already they're grabbing and conniving and cheating. And I... i better go see her. And him. Yeah. Joe. Joe, listen. What you just said, but... Well, think of this. When a baby's born, maybe... Maybe it's like a new day. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a just man, and Noah walked with God. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark. Thus did Noah. According to all that God commanded him, so did he. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. the sails. Oh, it's the best boat in the world, isn't it, Pop? <laughs> All right, son. Come ahead. Your mother's waiting lunch. Okay, Pop. Pop, why haven't we got a big boat? Well, I guess it's because we haven't enough money. But everybody's got lots of money now. Really? Who told you that? Teacher. Yes, I suppose. Someday, 1929, may be considered the, the golden year. Who knows? Why can't we have a boat, Pop? Well, lend an ear. Uh, the clean one. <laughs> now, look, son. 
suppose, suppose it was a bright, sunny day like this, and everybody was laughing and having lots of fun, but you felt there was a storm coming up that would blow away everything that wasn't strong and honest. And supposing you knew that the only way you could earn that boat was to be not quite honest. Cheat a little here, take a little there, sneak a little, lie a little. But then, son, you'd, you'd have nothing left but the thought that you hadn't been honest with yourself and with the other people who share this world with you. Would you want the boat then, John? To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. Therefore I am full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary with holding in. I will pour it out upon the children abroad and upon the assembly of young men together. For even the husband with the wife shall be taken, the aged with him that is full of days. And their houses shall be turned unto others with their fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord. For the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, every one is given to covetousness. Every one dealeth falsely, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. gentlemen, order if you please. Would the gentleman in the audience who just spoke state his name? John Eli Adams. John Eli Adams. Yes, we were quite sure it wasn't Quincy. <laughs> I've just been informed that you're a member of the sophomore class. Please, please, gentlemen, let's hear what Johnny Adams has to say. May throw light upon certain opinions. Fortunately, very much in the minority on this campus. Enlighten us, Mr. Adams. Please, enlighten us. Well, this is called the University Conference for Peace in Our Time. But I always thought that in order to have a peace conference, all the combatants had to be present. Where are they? <laughs> How can you talk of peace in our time if the beast isn't here? That's our only antagonist. Do I have to tell you about it? It's the beast that calls itself blonde but has many colors and many faces. And one of them is cowardice. And the other one is the selfishness of the child mind. You're talking no war now. But what you're really saying is, I'm 18 or 19 or 20, so don't damage this world in any way that'll cheat me of what I want. But I tell you, gentlemen... The cost of peace in your time is too much for even you or me to pay. Sure, I'm 18, and sure, I want a chance at loving and having and being. But not at the cost of men and women hunted like animals. Not at the cost of leaving the world free for the beast. How dare we, the young, expect peace in our time when there is no peace in the world? (laughs) 
Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thine eyes are as doves within thy veil. Thy hair is as a flock of goats that lie along the side of Mount Gilead. Thy teeth are like a flock of ewes that are newly shorn, which are come up from the washing. Whereof everyone has twins, and none is bereaved among them. Thy lips are like a thread of scarlet, and thy mouth is comely. Thy temples are like a piece of pomegranate behind thy veil. Thy neck is like the Tower of David, builded for an armory, whereon they hang a thousand bucklers, all the shields of the mighty men. Thy two breasts are like two fawns that are twins of a row which feed among the lilies. Until the day be cool and the shadows flee away, I will get me to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. Thou art all fair, my love, and there is no spot in thee. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. then because you were like one of the prophets of old. You said what you believed. And you said it's not caring what happened to you. Oh, hey, now, wait a minute. No, no, I want you to hear this. In a little while, we'll be together. All right? But how about after that? What kind of talk is that? Always. You want to, and I want to. But will they let us? Hey, what's this merry-go-round? Tonight's headlines. You showed them to me yourself. To be pulling. What about us? Tell me, John. I love you very much. Tell me. There might have been an answer a few years ago if, if somebody had done something about fascism and company then. But they didn't. All we can do now is wait. But I want to know that you'll be with me. War or peace. Either way, there's no answer to that. Mickey. Yes? All these miles, you know what I've been thinking? What? About love hmm? and loving. That used to mean a, a girl in a certain line which depended on who she was and how I felt and where we were. Then I met you. It began to mean the way your eyes go wide and then sort of crinkle up when you laugh. The way you walked as if it was wonderful to be a woman. And when I hold you, your lips go soft under mine. And your arms want... 
But your eyes are like a little girl's asking me not to hurt you. <sighs> oh, Vicky, you better change your mind. You're marrying the kind of man who makes love before breakfast. I'll always remember you said these things to me. The day we were married. Righteous art thou, O Lord, when I plead with thee. Yet let me talk with thee of thy judgments. Wherefore doth the way of the wicked cast us? Wherefore are all they happy that deal very treacherously? Thou hast planted them, yea, they have taken root. They grow, yea, they bring forth fruit. Thou art near in their mouth and far from their reins. But thou, O Lord, knowest me. Thou hast seen me and tried mine heart toward thee. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and prepare them for the day of slaughter. How long shall the land mourn and the herbs of every field wither for the wickedness of them that dwell therein? About you, Jim. You really want me to? Yes. All right. I, I... I wake up in the morning. I work. I eat. I sleep. Once in a while I read. We go to the movies. Rob, everything's the same. And yet it... It's as if it wasn't happening. I mean, really anymore. With every day, it's less and less real. The only thing is real are the newspaper headlines, the news broadcasts. But not our lives, not here, not anywhere in America. I get this crazy thought. We're dead and we're waiting for the fascists to come over here and bury us. No. no I guess I was holding him too tight. I'm sorry, honey. Please, please, just... You wanted me to talk. Yes, son, I wanted to talk. John, of course I've known what's been wrong. Okay. For the last few years, you've been thinking and suffering. Because you've understood how everything the Germans have done has been part of a terrible thing. All right, so I'm smart, so what good is it? No, you're asking what good have you done. That's what's wrong with you, John. You've reached the end of just thinking and suffering inside of yourself. I think to myself, what if we never wake up? What if the fools went out here? And I never get a chance to fight. Vicky, that's killing me. What if I never get the chance to fight? Take it now. 
Do what you want to. Now. How can I? The baby? Hmm? Yes. I married you for what you were. And for what you're going to. Maybe this is what you're going to. You couldn't get along. I will. Vicky. Your lips. August. All right, all right. What? Mr. Adams. Mr. Adams, you radio one? No. Well, well, I heard it. I, I think I just heard it. The Jets, they're bombing us someplace. Does that mean we're in the war? back in the days when I doubted whether America would ever wake up to the fight. I've trodden the wine press alone, and of the people, there was none with me. For I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment, for the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. And I looked, and there was none to help. And I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore, mine own arm brought salvation to me. And my fury, it upheld me. You said it too. Yes. And now the greatest crusade of men in history. I call it a prayer. I don't... This pray. whole invasion, Chaplain, it is a prayer. A prayer and, and a promise. A prayer to God to help us destroy the evil... And a promise to God that once it is destroyed, we'll never let it happen again. I saw papers from home. There are people saying that the peace is already lost. That what we win will be destroyed by selfish groups of selfish men. I can't believe that. I won't believe it. I have faith in people, in the living God that's in. One more minute, man. I've thought of this minute. I have to. Chaplain, uh, will you pray for us? Yes, yes, of course, soldier. No, John, you say it. I? All right. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. <laughs>
heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory. Gentlemen, you have just heard This Living Book, written and directed by Arch Obeler. Ronald Coleman was the narrator. The boy was Robert Bailey. The girl, Mercedes McCambridge. The original music was composed and directed by Gordon Jenkins. And now Mr. Coleman and his guest, Dennis Day, are standing by to bring Easter greetings to two American soldiers at an Allied base in Alaska. Mr. Coleman, the engineer says he's ready. All right. Now, Dennis, put on these headphones. We're going up the Yukon River to the heart of Alaska the city of Fairbanks, to bring season's greetings to two soldier boys standing by their shortwave receiver in the land of the midnight sun. Ready? I sure am, Mr. Coleman. All right, here we go. This is Ronald Coleman and Dennis Day calling Fairbanks, Alaska. Come in, Fairbanks. This is Hollywood calling. Come in, Fairbanks. Can't you get them, Ronnie? Well... It doesn't look too promising, Dennis. In 11 weeks of shortwave conversations, we've had only one breakdown, so we'll try to complete the circuit again. Come in, Alaska. Hollywood calling. Come in. Hey, Dennis, every week we keep our fingers crossed. The shortwave gremlins are unpredictable. You know. no. No, not so good, Dennis. The engineer has handed me a note saying we're unable to get through to Fairbanks, Alaska. Oh, I'm sorry, Ronnie. Well, I'm told there's a good chance that the boys at the other end can hear us. So let's make the most of it and send our season's greetings. That's a good idea. Right. Hello, Corporal Jim Bastian and Private Bob Gross in Fairbanks, Alaska. Tonight we wanted especially to bring you season's greetings, not merely from Hollywood, but from all America and to all of our armed forces everywhere. Hello, fellas. This is Dennis Day, and I'm not here tonight getting laughs for Jack Denny. I'm just here to try and bring you some of the things you're missing. Ah, uh, Jim... Well, we know you're from Indiana. We called your wife, Ruth, and she said you'd probably be missing the spring plowing and the willow trees on the riverbank. Uh, Dennis, uh, how about a little of Indiana for Jim? Hmm? I'll try. Back home again in Indiana And it seems that I Still shining bright through the 
home to his wife and baby for a moment. Now you, Bob Gross, we called your family in Elkins, West Virginia. They are well and they send their love, but they also told us that your sweetheart, Catherine Dillon, misses you. So, Dennis, since it's spring and Bob's fancy surely must be turning to thoughts of love, don't you think you can do something about it for Bob? Well, how's this? I'll take you home again, Kathleen. about Kathleen, not Catherine, but that was as close as I could get. Well, fellas, I'm sorry we couldn't hear from you, and better shortwave luck next time. You know, where you are in the heart of Alaska, it's winter for most of the year, and then one day, suddenly, it's spring. Overnight, the whole world comes to life again. That hope, that faith in a world reborn is in all of us this Easter season. And, fellas, about those flowers for your mothers, we received your request, and we'll follow through for you. Yes, it was too difficult for you to handle way off there in Alaska, but don't worry we have your parents' addresses, so both your mothers will get those Easter flowers as usual. Time's up, Mr. Coleman. All right. Well, time's up, men, so it's goodbye now from Dennis Day and myself, speaking from a grateful home front. Good night, fellas. I hope I'll be seeing you one of these days. And you may, if your ship sails up the Yukon. Good luck to you in the Navy, Dennis. And good night, men, and good luck. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the circuit to Fairbanks, Alaska, is broken. And next week, Mr. Coleman and his guest, Miss Ida Latino, will bring you a two-way conversation with two American soldiers in Cairo, Egypt. The play will be an archobular dramatization of the famous A.J. Cronin book, The Citadel. Ladies and gentlemen, caring for the needs of fighting men is the watchword of the Red Cross. The spirit of Clara Barton in the Spanish-American War, Florence Nightingale in the Crimea, Nurse Edith Cavell in the last war, and thousands in the present conflict. Brave women all who give their lives to the cause of humanity. You and I stand with them by means of the Red Cross. We must remain beside them until the war is won. Our gifts to the Red Cross are the pledge of our faith in a world reborn. And may I say our thanks to the Electric Autolite Company for relinquishing their regular messages for this Easter program. This program has come to you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Welcome back. Well, a powerful play, and I think it brings home the uh, 
type of feelings that motivated many people in fighting the war. And it shows how this was viewed not just as something that was correct or a good idea from a human rights stance, but was something that was good and noble and even uh, God approved. Mercedes McCambridge uh, played opposite Bob Bailey, who did a fantastic job in the play. Uh, he was still a couple years off from getting his own show and let George do it, and more than a decade from Johnny Dollar, but I think you, you really get an impressive look at his talent here. Mercedes McCambridge was called the uh, best uh, radio actress by Orson Welles, and you really get a picture why in this play, even in her short uh, scenes. And the remote unfortunately did fail, and according to the Radio Gold Index, uh, information on everything for the boys, the next week's uh, show would fail as well. All right, well, uh, that will do it for today. If you uh, have a comment, email me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. I welcome your story or that of loved ones who served during World War II. Ken Curlin provides our opening theme music, kencurlin.com. I am your host, Adam Graham. This uh, series is provided as a service of the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, greatdetectives.net.